Today I would like to draw our attention to the book of Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16. So Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16, that will be our focus for today. And if I should choose a topic, it would be God is not fear. God is not fear. In our text today, the parable of the laborers is found only in Matthew. It is connected to the preceding chapter and appears to add to what Jesus said concerning the kingdom of heaven. At the close of the chapter, chapter 19, he said that many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. This parable is part of Jesus' response to Peter's concern when he said, We have left everything to follow you. So what will there be for us? Peter, like us at times, felt that God had owed him something. That it was not quite fair for them to have left so much and to seem to get so little in return. So he questioned how the fairness of our God. And life does not seem to be fair, does it? Some people, like my son, they're taller than me. Some people can run faster, some more intelligent, and some a little bit more pretty. And it's not fair that some persons can virtually inhale a refrigerator of food and not gain an ounce, while others like me just look at a cookie and seem to gain five pounds. It's not fair that guilty people seem to go free while innocent people get locked up. It doesn't seem fair for someone to work really hard and long, and then another person seemed to get rewarded just for showing up. Well, in response to Peter's concern, Jesus assured him that everything, everything will be set right one day. When he, Jesus, sits on his throne, and that we also will get a chance to sit with him, on thrones to judge the tribes of Israel. Jesus told him that everyone who has been given anything or who has given up anything for him will receive a hundred times what they gave up and will also receive eternal life. But then Jesus elaborated on his response to address a more important concern when he illustrated the ways of the kingdom of God using a parable. A parable, literally, is something cast alongside something else. Jesus' parables were stories that were cast alongside a truth to illustrate that truth. His parables were like teaching aids and can be thought of as extended analogies or inspired comparisons. A common description of a parable is that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But we must be careful not to extrapolate too much when we interpret parables. The basic rule is that the plain things are the main things. And the main things are the plain things. So in this parable in Matthew chapter 20, the setting is the harvest time of the year. And the master of the vineyard needs more workers. And therefore, early in the morning, 
As the employer, he goes to the marketplace to hire some daily workers. Now at this juncture, I want to point out a few things to note. The story describes the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven operates very differently from the kingdom of this world. In God's kingdom, the shepherd would leave 99 sheep to go and look for one that is lost. In our world, that doesn't operate like that. In God's kingdom, a widow's two pennies were more valuable than all the gold given in the temple in one day. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. In God's kingdom, the least is the greatest. We are strong when we are weak. We lose what we keep. We gain when we give. The first is last, and the last is first. That is the kingdom of God. In his kingdom, God rules. And that is important to note, because it is called a kingdom for a reason. In a kingdom, there must be a king. You don't have to be, uh, uh, have a degree in much to figure that part out. There must be a king, and a king rules. He does not have suggestion boxes. He doesn't look for your opinion. He is the king, and so he rules. His subjects do as he directs because they trust him to do what is best. And they are wholly devoted to him. And so in God's kingdom, it is God who is king. And it is odd also in that in this kingdom, God comes seeking for us rather than the other way around. And so... The king comes looking for workers. The Bible says he comes to hire workers and note, not just place fillers. God is looking for people to work, not just keep the pews warm. Do we have guilt difficulty Accepting God's rules and methods. When he doesn't do things like we expect, when he doesn't do things the way that we anticipate, when he doesn't do things like we would, do we have difficulty accepting what he says and does? For that is when you're in the kingdom. We are ruled we are governed. We are not the ones in charge. I like to remind myself that there is only one God, and I'm not him. Most of us need to do that at times because we think we are in charge. And we realize that in one morning you could find yourself unable to even get out of bed. Why do we think we are in charge? The first point I want to get to in this story is this, I want to talk about the acceptable agreement. In the marketplace is where those who wanted to work waited to be hired. In the parable, some workers were hired early in the morning. But there were others still waiting and hoping for work because they had to feed their families. These people were not necessarily lazy people. They just didn't have enough. And so all they could do 
is wait and hope for somebody to give him an opportunity. So they were out there early in the morning, and in verse 2 of Matthew 20, it says, He agreed to pay them a denarius, this is in the NIV, a denarius for the day, and sent them into his vineyard. The employer contracted with the employees to pay a specific amount. A denarius is the common day's wage for the average worker. It is the amount that was necessary, that was enough to purchase food for him and his family for the day. If he didn't have enough, if he didn't make a denarius, his family will be hungry that day. I want us to remember that because by the time the story is done and we see what is happening here, we will realize that it is important to know that they needed to get this money. They needed to have this job. Now notice it said that he agreed. My interpretation of that is that there was some bartering going on. There was some discussion. He makes an offer and he counteracts. He makes another offer and he responds until they came to an agreement of what was satisfactory. It was satisfactory to the employer to give this guy we never met before a whole day's work pay. That was what the agreement was. And I know the guy who made the proposition, he felt good because he figured, I'm going to get a whole day's work pay, even though I'm starting and it's not the start of the day. Now let me pause here. The day in this culture is 12 hours. So from 6 to 6. When he comes there, most likely it's already after 6. So when he gives him a day's wage, like most of us, we are glad because we get paid. We already know we're getting more than we deserved. We already getting paid more than we deserve because we would not have worked for the whole day. We might have started early, but we didn't work for the whole day. So it was an agreement that they contracted. Now note, the wage offered does not Prove that the rewards of heaven are given in payment for work we have done or a debt we are owed. In Romans 4 verse 4 the Bible says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. When you work, you get paid. But when you get something that you didn't work for, it's called a gift. We can be sure that our reward will be whatever is right. We will never lose anything by working for God. No, the laborers were only hired for one day. One day. This indicates to me that we have a very short time to work for the Lord. We might think we live for 80 years, 90 years, and that's a long time. But we only have a short time. We liken to one day in which to work for God. But in this one day of work, the rewards will be paid for eternity. Can you imagine? One day for an eternity of reward. If you could work for one hour and get all that you need for eternity, how much effort would you put in? And that's what the Bible is saying. We think that we're tired. We think that we've been working for so long. We're looking forward to retirement when we could relax. And God is saying, it's all right, I've only given you one day to work. Because I've got a whole of eternity of reward awaiting you. So let's work wisely and work hard. Verse, 20, verse 3 of chapter 20 says, About nine in the morning he went, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. 
He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went, and he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Now as this parable proceeds, it becomes a little strange for us. Because there is nothing wrong with the employer seeking out workers during the day, if nothing more than to make sure that they're not lazy and doing nothing. But what is strange is that the agreement that he gives and offers is so different. The first one were given a denarius agreement for the day. But now he says, I will give you whatever is right. Now, the pay scale has changed to be whatsoever is right. Now, I don't know about you, but if I go and look for a job and the employer tells me, you work hard and I will pay you whatever is right, I'm not too comfortable with that. I'm not sure you would be either. But that was the agreement. I will pay you whatever is right. Because for me, my right ain't normally what the boss's right is. Right? Isn't that true? What I want, what I think is the, the appropriate payment, I'm sure he usually will not agree. But we see here that Jesus in the form of this landowner says, I will pay you whatever is right. And the laborers agree because somehow they trust this man and the justice that he will mete out to them. Question. Do we trust God to treat us right? Do you and I trust God to treat us right? When things are hard, do you believe that God is treating you unfairly? Why do we run to the courthouse? Why do we run to the politician? Why do we run to all of these people if we believe God is treating us right? Do you think God made a mistake? Do you think God turned his eye? Do you think God forgot? Or do you think that God is doing something that maybe we don't understand? Do you trust God to treat you right? Or do we go around and say, this isn't fear? When that guy next to you gets the promotion and you know you did all the work, do you say this isn't fear. There are a few men still hanging around in the marketplace at around 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Remember, work ends at 6. And probably none of them really expected to be hired, but there was, because there was only one hour of work left in the day. They may have stayed just because they couldn't wouldn't go home to their family without anything. Because you, can you imagine, you as the sole breadwinner for your family, and you go out to find a job, and it's five o'clock in the afternoon, you've been out all day just waiting to get a job, and you now go back home to your wife and children, your hungry children, and you've got nothing to give them. Nothing of what they need. 
And so these men stood there and waited until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Most of us would have already gone home and given up. But they said they're going to wait a little bit longer. And the master of the vineyard may have been surprised to still see them there. And so he asked, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And there is a message here that we should remember. Some people will enter the kingdom of heaven in an old age. At the so-called the 11th hour. When life is almost spent. But there will be nobody. Nobody will enter the kingdom of God at the 12th hour. Nobody gets to work at the 12th hour. You must enter now while there is still a time. There is no purgatory to go to and hope somebody gets you out. There is no 12th hour entrance into the kingdom of God. Some people are called to salvation when they are old. Old sinners will be accepted just as readily as young ones. If they truly repent of their sins and ask God Almighty to save them, nothing is too hard for him. Now is the accepted time. And if you hear his voice, it must be today. The second point I want to talk about is the gracious gift. <clears throat> when the evening was come, that is at the end of the day, the day laborers were called and paid. The order in which they were to be paid was not the way it is usually done. Instead of paying those who work the longest first, the steward is instructed to pay those who had started at the 11th hour. Those who came in last were going to get paid first. And so in verse 9 of Matthew 20, it says, The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and listen to this, and each received a denarius. They got a whole day's work pay for working one hour. Now, what is my choice of words? The giving, the giving of a whole day's wage to those who only work one hour is designed to show God distributes his rewards by grace. It is never out of debt. God does not owe anybody anything. Oh. I know some of us have been working in the vineyard a long time, and we're going to get to that point too. Because we think that we work long and hard enough, we're supposed to get something better. We are supposed to. It's only fair. But we need to remember clearly that God does not dispense anything on a debt. Everything that God does is because of grace. Grace is receiving something whether we think we deserve it or not. God gives us full access to his kingdom and all because Jesus died on that cross. But access to heaven is just one benefit of salvation. The real treasure is a personal relationship with Jesus and that lasts forever. Most of us are so concerned about this trinkets in this world. This home, this car, this food, this furniture, these things that are all going to burn up. All of it. But the relationship with Christ never ever goes away. And that is what is the true value of what we are working for. 
God dispensed gifts to these workers. If God paid us based on fairness, meaning we get what we work for, we get what we deserve. If God paid us on fairness, we will all end up in damnation and hell. The Bible says, if wages are what we want from God, the Bible clearly identifies the wages in Romans 6 verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So no matter how long and how hard you work, if you want God to pay you fairly, this is what you get. But if it is by grace that we, we serve God, he said grace is a gift that we cannot earn. And so the verse concludes, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what is eternal life? Eternal life is defined by Jesus in John 17, 3, where he said, speaking to his father, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life isn't just living forever. Eternal life isn't just living in heaven either. Eternal life is knowing God the Father, and Jesus Christ, who he sent. That's why you can have eternal life right now. You don't have to wait until you die. Eternal life is available now because it is knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ, who he sent. To some it might seem unfair, but that is what grace is all about. And that is how the kingdom works. Grace is not fear. Grace is uncomfortable. As it certainly disturbs our sense of justice and our sense of fairness. But the universe belongs to God and not to us. Yes, this is not the, world, the way the world does business. But it is how God does his business. So who are we to disagree? God is God. He rules and he does as he pleases. But fortunately and blessedly, God is good. You see, knowing that God could do and would do whatever he wants could be fearful, could strike such terror in our minds. Because God could be a tyrant if he has all power. But we can rest assured that we don't have to be, afraid, be afraid because God is good. We may not understand what he's doing, but he told us we won't. In Isaiah 55 he says, my thoughts are not yours, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now as we get into the end of the, of the story, we have a strict settlement. You see, the more we work, the more we make. At least that's the thing that we believe. You work more, you get more. And that's what makes so many workaholics today. And it's a common feeling today as well as in Jesus' day that hard work is to be rewarded. So why wouldn't those who work the longest expect to receive more than those, than the others who only work for such a short time? But everyone was paid, given the same. Everything that God has done for humanity is out of grace. He is never in our debt. And God is sovereign. He's in charge. 
rank, position, and reward are his to give to whomever he chooses. And this parable illustrates people may get angry with God because he is viewed as generous with others while seeming only maybe fear with them. In verse 10 to 12, he says, So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have paid, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. These laborers quarrel with the landowner and found fault with him, not because they did not have enough, but because others were made equal with them. See, it wasn't the fact that they got shortchanged. They got enough to take care of their family for the day like they agreed. But what happened is that, as we say back in the islands, when your eyes get too long. When you start to look at what other people get, suddenly you get a certain dissatisfaction with what you got. You know what I mean? Every couple weeks or so, twice a month or whatever you get, you get a pay stub, don't you? And you look at what you get. And you try hard not to sneak your eyes to that other box to say how much taxes was taken out. Because when you see how much was taken out, you suddenly become a little bit dissatisfied with the money you got. And don't let it be some overtime or some bonus. Because when you come home with your lot of money, you don't look too happy about it sometimes because you saw how much your uncle took away from you. And it makes you shake your head and you wonder why. And so that's what was happening in this story. They were satisfied with the agreement. But as soon as they saw somebody got as much as they did, suddenly they were not satisfied anymore. Your house looked pretty good until you saw somebody else's house. Your car was fine until you saw somebody else's car. Your suit and your outfit was looking good until you saw somebody else's. Everything you had was nice and satisfactory until you see somebody else's. And that's what was happening here. They were not satisfied anymore with what they got because they saw what somebody else got. And it made them mad because they thought they were better than the others. Notice what he said. You made them equal to us. And that's what burned them. They didn't want to be equal to them. They wanted to be better. They said we worked hard. We were in the sun while they were in the shade. And they only worked for an hour in the cool. When they came back, then they came out to work, it was, the sun was already going down, so it was cool. We were out there in the hot sun, and they didn't do anything. It's not fair for them to get the same amount as we did. The first time, first comers were really upset, even though they got what they agreed. They were so upset that they would rather that these people who work for an hour not go home 
with enough to feed their family than to have as much money as them. Notice that. They were upset that these people got enough money to feed their family. They would have preferred that they didn't get enough to feed their hungry wife and children than to be equal with them. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And we don't even recognize it. So how do we respond when less deserving people are treated as well or even better than us? When the less deserving person gets the promotion, when the less deserving person gets the scholarship, when the less deserving person gets the new car, how do we feel about that? In verse 13, he, said, he answered them, one of them, I am not being unfair to you, my friend. Didn't you agree to work for ordinarius? Whatever God does to us or withholds from us, he does us no wrong. If God gives more grace to some to others than he denies us, he's not being unkind or unjust to us. He's just being kind to them. To convince the murmurer that he did no wrong, he reminds him of the bargain that they had struck that didn't we agree for denarius. So then he tells him, take your pay and go. And then he says this, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. I want to do this. I'm not obligated, I just want to do this good thing. The principle Jesus is teaching here is that we are to be content with such as we have. Instead of complaining that we should have more, let us take what we have and be thankful. If God seems better to others than he is to us, we have no reason to complain since he is still so much better to us than we deserve. In verse 15 he says, Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? God is sovereign, I say again, the owner of everything. Therefore, he may give or withhold his blessings as he pleases. When it happens, we should remember he only took away what was his in the first place. He de we depend upon him for everything. It's not right for us to quarrel with him. The good man can sense envy in the complaints of the laborer. And he asks, in the King James he says, Is thine eye evil? Do you have an evil eye? Because I am good? One writer explains that an evil eye is an attitude of envy and greed and stinginess. When we want first place or all the best just for ourselves, that is an evil eye. When we believe that others are undeserving of positions because they have not been around as long as we are, that is an evil eye. In verse 16 he says, so the last will be first. And the first will be last. Only God can judge our faithfulness. Therefore, don't watch what others are doing. Don't become distracted by what they are saying about you. But be faithful to do what God has called you to do. 
Too many times we look aside, we look left, we look right, we look behind to find out who's not doing their job. They've been here long enough, they should have done more. And God didn't ask you that. He's just asking you, did you or are you doing what I called you to do? Many men have been judged as great by these worldly standards, but they will not be judged so by God. And so they will not be worthy of heavenly rewards since they were not faithful in their service to him. We don't work just to receive rewards, but we receive heavenly rewards because we have done what God has called us to do. All the workers, all the workers receive the same. We all receive the same grace. It does not take more of God's grace and mercy and blood to cover the rapist, to cover the murderer, to cover the thief and the robber, than it takes to cover those of us who've been in church all the days of our lives. It requires the same grace, the same amount of grace for all of us. None of us could go to God and make demands because he owes none of us anything. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. You could be a pillar in the church, sometimes literally. That doesn't qualify you to make demands on God. He owes us nothing. All who responds to, to God's invitations will receive the same grace. We are to be thankful without comparing ourselves to others. The early workers grumbled because they compared their wages with the later workers. And someone once said that comparison is toxic to the soul. I'm almost done. Abraham Lincoln one day was walking down the street with his two young sons, Tab and Willie, and they were both grumbling with displeasure. A friend met him and said, what's wrong with the boys, Abe? And he said, what's wrong with my boys is what's wrong with the whole world. I have three chestnuts in my hand, and they both want two. Many have worked in the Lord's vineyard for years, and so they have an understandable temptation to grumble. When some newbie comes along and experiences God's blessings ahead of them. And when we relate, we relate straight away to the all-day worker. And we are to focus instead on the one-day worker. Not because he earned what he got. But because the vineyard owner who is God decided to give him the money. He decided to give him what he needed for the day. People of God, we need to remember that everything we've got from God, he saw that we could never work long enough to earn it. You could have been born again since you were three years old. And you lived till you're 93. For 90 years you would have served God, you said, and you still did not qualify to make demands on God. He gives us because he knows we need it and we cannot earn it. 
you cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn the grace of God. You cannot earn the goodness and the blessings of God. He gives them. Because he knows we need them. The scripture is constantly telling us to start receiving what we think we deserve, whether we think we deserve the blessing or not. This goes against all our training because we should be willing to, we should not be willing to receive something we didn't earn. But it makes me wonder, would you prefer to be paid or to, would you prefer to get a payment or a gift? In our mind, we prefer the payment because we say, I got a right to this. But when we go to a gift, the person might give us what we don't like. The gift might not come up to what we would have earned. So we like to say, pay me. When a brother or sister having trouble at their home and you go to their house to help them out, do you automatically reach into your pocket to pay them? To say, I don't owe you anything? Or do brothers and sisters still do stuff for brothers and sisters because they are brothers and sisters? Do we feel like we have to pay somebody for everything just to make sure they say, just to make sure I can say, I don't owe you anything? When it comes to God, we seem to come with the same mindset that God, you got to pay me. You got to pay me. Because you owe me. I did all this stuff, you owe me. Now I know some people have a problem with this. That we like to, you know, we want to earn what we get. And they just take and take and take at the expense of others, just draining others. But I'm not talking about those people who are just leeches. I'm talking about the many Christians who have a problem receiving things that they didn't earn. Just like that last hour worker. Do we have a problem accepting good things, even from God, because we didn't earn them? With our righteous indignation welling up, we think that it is totally unfair for all those other people to accept stuff that they didn't earn. But Jesus died a horrible death that we may be accepted and no longer be slaves to sin and shame. Through his blood, he granted us permission to draw on God's abundance to our houses, his treasures as we need. Do we deserve any of these good things? Absolutely not. Considering our sinful past, do we remotely deserve any good thing at all? Again, absolutely not. Yet we are told to receive good things in the name of Jesus. We are to stop looking for things that we deserve and start accepting and valuing and rejoicing for the gifts, the good gifts from God that we do not deserve. That is grace. And that is grace in action. And to deny accepting such gifts, such grace, is to deny our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. He died so we may receive. We can only pass on our blessings to others effectively when we start receiving from God. This world is upside down. The arrogant, the narcissistic, the greedy, who have chose, chosen first place in this life, have chosen last place in eternity. But the selfless, the generous, and the servants who often choose last place in this life are rewarded with first place in heaven. 
there's a great reversal coming. And we can look forward to it. Because in that day, we'll be so glad that God is not fear, but he is gracious. Amen.